0: We've got to restructure and create a new particularity of our particle that then creates a new molecular structure, uh, a new science within the art and an art within the science mm. um, in order to then determine what really matters in the world we are in today on a micro and on to a macro level, beyond the planet even. So, you know, it's, it's, it's having that kind of... Um, sensibility in, 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 in how we become and how we live our life and how we balance that life as well so that like you say we've got to stay used we've got to have you know a, a purpose in a sense
1: welcome to creativity pioneers a podcast by the moleskin foundation that aims to spark dialogues and reflections on how creativity is understood and talked about showing us its use for positive personal and social transformation. I'm your host, Adam Assanne, Moleskine Foundation CEO. Please subscribe now to our podcast on the platform of your choice and tune in for new episodes. I look forward to reading your thoughts and comments on our social media channels. For this episode, I'm joined by Skinder Yundal, Global Director of Arts at the British Council. In his outstanding professional career, Skinder has always placed the arts as a focal point for the development of communities and as a tool to free one's imagination. As we unravel together decades of learning, we explore a simple question. Why is art important? And how does it impact how we experience the world? Join us in this conversation on how art and creativity strengthen communities. Skinder will take us through this journey through three words he chose. Collaborative, courage, and consciousness. Unfortunately, due to a technical issue, the audio quality of this episode is lower than usual. We're sorry for the inconvenience. Although the words of Skinder are so inspiring that it will be worth the listen. Also, please check out the episode transcription down below and enjoy the conversation. why do you choose these three these three words
0: the words um have formed um and the meaning of those words have formed over decades and it was i guess in the fifth decade um of my life when i brought these kind of um it was a consolidating moment because I, I I think in you know art is very transformational you know and I playfully you know mess around with the word art A R T you know I try to think that it's art realizing transcendence you know so this kind of transcending no- notion of you know what it tries to do and how it engages and how it you know, reimaginates or imagines. Um, what seemed to be like millions of fractions that fit between sort of binary positions of yes and no, or zero and one in this digital age. And decades one, two, three, four, were for me building ground for what would happen in decade five. And that was the emergence of these concepts um, and these drivers, these sort of singular mantras which would then combine to create, um, you know, this idea of a ripple factorial, you know, a a ripple that could just keep multiplying with its energy. And coming from a a more kind of science engineering sort of background, I was thinking about symmetry um, and symbolism. And you know, although you know you playfully said at the beginning, you know that this all the seas well it, it was a moment in the fifth decade um where it just came you know like uh
1: fifth decade my, is your fifth decade
0: yeah my sorry my, not, the fifth decade. <laughs> not the fifth decade of the world <laughs> my, yeah my my fifth decade I'm not that tuned into history. No, my my fifth decade. Yeah, it was it was it was one of those things that would just just happen in the kind of intuition of experience um, and the multitude of um, you know, ex, you know opportunities, um, observations, interactions that have happened. Um, on on these kind of episodes, these these art journeys that that we all go on, and, you know, the people we meet and and all the rest. And, of course, the context within which you work. So, you know, I was based in a neighbourhood. So in a neighbourhood, there was a strong sense of community and a strong sense um, that this was a place where communities gathered. There was always a, a feeling of, you know, do we belong? Where do we belong? How do we belong? And so this kind of reflection in the fifth decade, based on this um, moment in the third decade, um, and the third decade was the moment in which, I would say, second-generation immigrants who were born from parents who were immigrants were beginning to pull, pull together, you could argue, the traumas of decade one and two But also the beauty of home and family um, being the the space of strength that built our characters or supported us during difficult periods. And, you know, anybody was around in the 70s, 80s, you know, it wasn't so straightforward and easy. There was a lot of um, tension. And I'm not saying that tension's gone because it's a different type of tension. But there's still discrimination and still prejudice.
1: So here, just to give us a picture, we're talking about England. Uh, we're talking about the seventies and eighties. 80s, eighties, 80s. Where, where, where did you grow up at the time?
0: So the West Midlands, basically. So that was a, you know, you're right to frame it because I think, I think I'm speaking from a point of view of diaspora. Um, I'm not speaking from somebody who's from Chandigarh, Patiala, Jalandhar, Lahore, Karachi. I'm talking about somebody who's Actually, you know, born in the UK, um, in in the cities that and towns and villages where where our communities would have resided and still do. So it's 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 a lot of a lot of art is that subjective truth that tries to create a genuine sort of a signature or an imagination that has a genuine signature. And you know, being an instigator, producer, curator. Um, arts professional, cultural leader, all of these things that we get labelled with, one has to um, think about that kind of subjective truth and how it materialises and how it goes beyond your own personal into what then you talked about, the societal. So for me, this whole thing about, you know, consciousness was was really, really central because I think the new generation of today can can bypass and get into the immediacy of delivery um, or delivering great ideas because the infrastructures have changed and the infrastructures are more fluid, they're less burdened by hierarchies, although the hierarchies still exist in institutions. And here I am in, in an institution man at British Council, which is also you know, something that would never have happened, you know, if you look back at my trajectory in history. This was, was not the place I would have um been comfortable in. But that has all shifted and changed. And you know, um, you know, some say, Oh, thanks for taking it on the chin and heading into the institution. We need you there because you'll be our voice, and, and absolutely I will be, of course. Um, and we need to create new voices within the institution, etc. etc. Anyway, so this whole thing about looking back um is quite interesting because. The consciousness in the third decade, and the third decade is the 20s going into the 30s, in case you're thinking, what what is he talking about, third decade? Um, That third decade was the defining moment of a new conscious spirit that um, certainly affected me, and that was that I was observing second-generation immigrant communities finding a new probability, you know, this new hybridity of, you know, East-West, or, you know, um, African-UK, Caribbean-UK, South Asian-UK, et cetera, or what was known then as British-Asian was the term that was being used a lot. Um, And finding this new voice in a kind of collaborative way that was intracultural as well. So that intracultural sort of dynamic was, you know, between the kind of complexities of South Asia, you know, be it religious identity or geographical, but also the intercultural dynamic between other black-brown communities. And at the time, the big communities were African-Caribbean and South Asian, mainly Indian subcontinent with Pakistan, Bangladesh, and a bit of Sri Lanka, but less so. So that consciousness was a, was the second decade. Um, that consciousness created a kind of collaborative spirit. And in the collaboration, you know, great things would happen. You would take on some of the big challenges. and again, looking back, you needed courage, because you know if you were presenting and creating art that was challenging um, systems, infrastructures, you were at risk of shooting yourself in the foot in terms of you know where you're going to get get on in this world, have a job, have security. Um, and those that um, plunge forward in the fight. You know sacrificed a lot in a sense and because they would then not conform not have the opportunity because of that but uh, but what they did was lay the foundation the ground from which we are having launched from and so spaces like you, you know your innerverse rivington Place, your autographs um and then new art exchange that was born out of nottingham art exchange in um Nothing real high for the green, they all came from these kind of moments of that kind of consciousness coming together in a collaborative way, in a very courageous um, sort of um, spirit. And that then created, uh, you know, a sense of um, creative liber- liberation. That creative liberation then led to, you know, great moments. But it took so long, you know, even from that period. To get it get to a place where you've got somebody like Sonia Boyce at Venice Biennale. Um, it took that long, or you know, John O'Cumfra, for example, being um honored for being a great film artist and being bought by the Tate, sitting on the Tate board, um, and you know, being represented by Listen Gallery, etc. So all of these things were happening in those decades. They were the ground from which Great things would, would, would emerge, um, and 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 so, in in the fifth in the in the in the sort of fifth decade, then, um, you know, if if I, if I look at decades of one and two, they really are the, the the beginnings of of anyone's life. You know, it's the home, it's the family. It might be the trauma of that as well, or it might be the security of that. But whatever it is, it is the beginnings that frame our thinking, our ambition and what then define happened next. And I think it's the decade in the 20s where we are now moving away um, from being kids or you know, um, young adults into forming a sort of state of maturity. And as much as we deny, well, I certainly did when I hit 30, that I was leaving my 20s and I was in denial for about a couple of years, um, there is a there is that kind of magical moment of consolidation that happens. And so the, the fourth decade by the 30s be, became um, a real testing and experimental brand. Um, whereas the decade before was really about the forming of conscious identity that, hey, I'm not from India. Um, I'm born in the UK. And you've heard it all before, um, where do I belong? Where do I sit in, the, in this mix? Um, well, I'm
1: going to create a new dynamic, third space invention, quoting a I'm also uh, mixed. I mean, I'm a, I'm mixed race, you know, and uh, you know, come from to a couple of different cultures myself. So I I can relate uh, on a personal level to to many of the things that 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 you just described, um, and I understand the element of the struggle, uh, you know, the starting from from just a personal search to kind of say. You know, I often say that um, I felt that when I when I grew up, when I was born in Italy, you know, I was a glitch in the system. Simply the system would not prepare, was not equipped, was not foreseen my existence in any shape or form. So out of that struggle, out of that thing, then, then interesting th- things could have happened for me at a personal level. The question that I would have, though, is to say, why is this important for the world? Why is this universally important? The fact that now we have a situation, and we live in a situation where you can become, you know, the head of the cultural and art departments in, in an institution like the British Council, um, or or other of. Uh, of our colleagues, you know, uh, like Elvira Dianganiose being the head of the MACBA, you know, or 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 uh, Bonaventura the Kung also, you know, in the Museum of Culture, you know, heading the Museum of Culture in Berlin and so on and so forth. Why is this important, you know, for the world? If it is, you know, because there is this element of like, is this relevant overall, you know, and why it is, and what's the angle in which we could look at it?
0: Um, The variety of imaginative voice that reinvents space institution is not going to come from what was before or what is known as the rules of engagement. These rules of engagement are all at a space and place of disruption right now. And so it needs um, new leadership. It needs new perspectives. It needs new ways in which decisions are made. So not everything needs to be referencing Harvard Business School. You see what I mean? The business of arts needs also to be engaging um, in, in ways where there are sort of non-linear approaches in, in, in terms of deciding and being. And I think that kind of cultural spectrum is what will invent you know, the, the, the new um, sustainable organisation. And if you look at a lot of the organizations um, and certainly the sort of the bigger institutions, they want to to move at a pace that's relevant. Otherwise, they sit statically and become white elephants um, and become irrelevant. So the the relevance and the pulse of that zeitgeist sits with um, the emerging um, sort of thinkers or those that were in the periphery constantly inventing and people want a taste of that. I think I think that's what it is. They want a taste of that um, in their institution to see if there can be something done to revitalize and reincarnate it. Um, there might be a view though that we can do all this reincarnation and reinvention outside of these institutions. And I believe that's the case as well. But it is a spectrum and mix of that. So representation. Is really critical. So, you know, even at British Council, and if you think about it, it's got 100 venues it works through across the world. How can it activate that representation in a way that brings cultural relations together worldwide in multi mutual ways? And those multi mutual ways then leading to um, the invention of new product, new program, new form. Um, and definitely um, the kind of cultura futurisms that we need to be, you know, um, exposed to. So that's why it's important. Long answer. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's, that's what I'm feeling I'm sensing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. and sensing. You know, if I look at some of the kind of young emergence that that's coming through, there's a, there's a real conscious collaborative community. Of 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 courageous thinkers coming through, but who who are also just prepared to put their neck on the line and just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And there, there might be new privileges at play as well, but there are also old privileges um, at play um, that we're, we're not exposed to as communities.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I would like to go back to a little bit of the origin story because I'm I'm quite interested about it. Because sometimes, you know, there is every time we, we, we talk about culture as arts, especially, you know, recently in the recent climate, you know, everything assume like a very kind of intellectual uh, aura, you know, or intellectual posture. While often most of the time, uh, at least in the conversation that we're having, you know, everything starts from real encounter, real experience, personal struggle, being in the streets, meeting people. So I'm kind of wondering like what, was your origin story? how do you get could how do you get how did the arts start playing an important role in your life?
0: I think there is something strange that happens you know when we engage in art or engage in a certain That's destiny we land into or feel that you know how did this happen? yeah, I don't, I don't know mean. Really. It, it, it does come from the struggle. It does come from the kind of com- it's sort of contrasting without knowing it. The that the the kind of continuum between what's urgent and important. So what's urgent is that kind of immediate scenario that you're looking at ahead of you, thinking, "Shit, man, how am I going to survive?" Excuse my French. Um, how am I going to survive? And what's important is really about. What do I want to change? Not just in myself, but around me. Um, so that personal, you know, that personal spirit is really important. You know, that, And that's why, you know, when we're building trust, for example, you know, between us, um, that uh, that chemistry um, and that kind of personalization is so, so critical. And, and, and a lot of the trust doesn't materialize because our personalizations are looking at particular reference points, which are not relating. So so in a sense, my my whole thing was (laughs) throughout my life, I was was very good at saying yes to things. Um, And by saying yes to things, and it was only because I was curious and I was also wanting to be helpful. So it's a kind of the spirit of character was about being helpful and trying to get things done, but by saying yes and not overthinking it, because sometimes you overthink it and say, well, "Have you considered the risks? Have you done a risk assessment? Have you thought about how this is going to relate to capacity?" Blah, 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 blah. And you end up doing nothing. Um, so the personal spirit of how you see the world is so important as a as a leader, as a as a curator, as an instigator, and so that personal journey. Was really kind of drawn from me about looking at what was what was actually urgent that ended up becoming super important. Um, So it's it's hard to explain. Um, But but I always remember finishing university um, in this kind of world of industry, science, and engineering, Um, a little lost, hating the smell of oil and the over-masculine style of this space that I was. In. Um, and then I just walked up a hill, walked downhill, and there was a weird looking building, which is a Victorian shaped art centre, basically, um, with a door open. And I was weirdly drawn to it. And that's why I'm saying, you, you know, this kind of destiny and these kind of moments and spaces open. Um, and it feels like there was some calling. And I always said, and that was the birth and yard exchange, by the way, in that space. Because I always said that there was a gravity here in this space, because of the context that was created, and that gravity attracted me there. There was a force of attraction, you know, like Newton's law in a sense, and I was drawn in. And from that day on, I was I, I found a consciousness in that space because I met fellow um, thinkers, artists, curators. Um, people who've been through struggle and also activists. And it was that kind of personal journey that then triggered me to want to do something important. And the urgency was, well, I had to survive and I had to do something where I felt alive, felt that I needed to belong. Um, and, you know, needing to belong might sound a bit needy. Um, and, I, and, and I'm not that at all, but, but actually there is a comfort. That we do sometimes seek and need. So you need a cool comfort, but you also need that space to be experimental, um, avant-garde, and you know, of that kind of contemporary zeitgeist that's happening. And that means being risk- taking some risk, and that's where the courage comes into it. So sticking your neck out of the line, changing the rules. So there's a lot of rules in visual art, for example, in contemporary culture, that you you know you just are not supposed to bend. But we were bending and flexing all the time. Um, and creating this kind of, um, you know, this anti-fragile structure that if you hit it, it wouldn't shatter and break and fall because it was so solid with its principle that it could flex. Um, And so that, again, was a personal choice. You know, I wasn't following the rules of um, engagement that was set by an institution or set by um, a particular um, industry. It was about... Defining and not being defined, so all designing and not being designed. Um, so this this is really important, I think, when you're dealing with, you know, radical shifts in in paradigm, or radical shift in how, um, you know, art is organised. And we're seeing that materialise. And that comes back to what you said. You know, I think institutions know this. They know that there might be too monocultural. They know that their way of working is perhaps too slow. And actually, the world around these institutions have much quicker. Mm. But actually, institutions still play a part. They still play an infrastructure. They can still play a strong part. But as long as they enable and activate, in my opinion, that, that kind of um, exciting buzz of um, radical innovation that's happening in, say, younger generations, but also intergenerationally, um, particularly within the kind of arts world and the artists, uh, Adama, that you and I probably engage with a lot, you know, because they are they are driven by their personal circumstance of struggle, trauma, and realizing a new braver truth that is of and for our time in a sense.
1: You know, you said something to me so important about really, you know, this idea of like you do this because you need to survive. <laughs> you know, it's a survival uh, element, and and to uh, and the importance of of the arts. At least it was for me to. I often say that you know that uh, that the arts uh, kind of saved my life, uh, mainly because I I I needed the arts in order to articulate my experience. To find the word, to find the thoughts, and 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 by articulating that experience, I can start a dialogue with myself, you know, and I can start make sense of uh, of the world around me, uh, and also and especially the position that I have in this, and the position I desire to have in this, you know, and and that element of articulation, you know, I, I um, my good friend uh, Tone Ejabe, you know, like he's, uh he's often said in a couple in a couple of interviews, you know, he often says. You know the function of art is to create language where it's the only sector is the only sector you know that is able to create language and 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 especially now I think you know considering you know if, if I have to think about some of the, the, the biggest crisis that we live in for a number of reasons. And we can say a lot. And obviously, like some are more uh, practical, like climate change, some other like, like you know, concrete, like wars and famine, you know, some are now like more a little bit more intangible, but extremely important as, like the, the role of the algorithm and the aspect of criticality and critical thinking. If I think about if I have to sum it up, in some cases, we are in a crisis of, of language. We are unable to express what we what we are feeling, what we are living, you know, and the complexity in which we are living. And and the arts is 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 and the arts and culture is that sector that can lead that part for everything else to happen. So this this element becomes central about the relevance of what you were talking about now.
0: When you think of how language is used in these kind of poetic Kind of couplets or whatever they are, you know, strings of words put together that sometimes you know are so abstract that they can have multiple sort of meaning. Um there is a certain language and certain rule that is accepted. Um and in so doing, and in so doing, having a, a kind of a, a language that's accepted means that certain things are rejected. So The art is the space in which you can really form a language to communicate. You know, whatever the form, whether it's dance, music, theatre, literature, you know, architecture, fashion design, contemporary visual culture, all of these kind of layered, or a multitude of all of them combined, you know, they they form a language. They form those um, new inventive ways of getting a sense of what it means to be alive. And art, artists, you know, you know, I've had this, this kind of, um, I've asked the question, you know, what, what, why, why is art so important? Because you have to, weirdly, justify it. You know, this is the, this is the other strange thing. It's like, well, it's, you know, it's a hobby, or it's a, it's a luxury. Um, well, it, 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 it's it's a necessity because it's like you say, you know, it saves lives, it improves lives. It gives purpose to life, actually, because we can explore it on on our terms, and we can reinterpret we can interpret it as we want to see it, and that's the beauty of art. Because you know, Adama, you will see it different, and I will see it different, but there will be a connecting point of around the principles of that what that what knowledge is emanating from this moment, or the feeling it creates. So, I always you know, re- referenced Baldwin's thoughts on the purpose of art as well. James Baldwin's thought, in, it really is about, you know, it does reveal, you know, um the kind of, the, 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 the hidden questions, you know, that sit behind the answers that have been given to us. So we live in a world where we're we're told what the answers are. This is how you do it, blah, blah, blah. This is your position. In, in the world. Um that's the answer. But if you knew what the questions were that were hidden, you might reveal new answers actually. And so the art asks the questions. And then it's for us to interpret those questions, I guess, and find new answers. And, and that's what we're doing. We are finding answers that are very, very personal. But what's personal also relates to our, our neighbour friend and family. You know, often because we're all experiencing and seeing the world um, uh, as best we can, in in a sense of um, a lens that's together. You know, we we are on the same planet after all, hurtling around the sun at incredible mm. speeds now, in this massive cosmos. Mm. Who knows what else is out there? Um, but this is this is what's what's so impressive is that art can can bypass you know conventional speeds structures and then all these languages that um, need to then you know be activated in order to challenge
1: there is something around this element of of the role of the arts and then also as enablers you know and also as spaces where criticality can be formed where where certain skills that now you know i think is quite is quite interesting that now we have uh, you know, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals, the UN, the World Economic Forum, everybody says that for the future of work and to build, you know, a co- our collective future, uh, creativity, critical thinking, you know, an approach to lifelong learning, all these things are the center of it. But, but you know, so finally it's been acknowledged, you know, because before you had to be a little bit like in a new age type of feeling <laughs> to be, that, you know, to, to acknowledge that. Now, like, institution has acknowledged that. But I think it's also interesting that most of them, they also say, we have no idea how to nurture this. We have no idea how to make this happen. We have no idea why, you know, certain people are able to, to build these things and certain others not. And we don't have any systems in place that are able to nurture this systematically. And 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 that's where, and at the same time, you know, this is the moment of creativity, the moment of the arts to to emerge. But then also, that is what you said, that the the, the culture and the arts and culture sector, we're still in a phase in which we need to justify our existence. Why there is this contradiction? And, and what are the steps you think that, uh, that can be done in order to overcome this, this very strange dichotomy?
0: A lot of this justification is usually justifying to um, policy makers, investors, governments, that, you know, art is a critical part of our, our way of being. And, you know, in the UK, we talk about STEM, you know, the science, technology, English, mathematics. Um, and then, you know, the arts community, dropped an A into it, to call it STEAM. Um, so don't forget art is at the, the center of all of this. And it, of course it is, and you know everybody wants critical thinking, creativity, uh, imaginative business models in order to sustain and build economy, and you know provide uh, opportunities for communities. And everybody talks. Then also the, con- the other contradiction is that everybody talks about creative industry being the fastest growing economy. You know if you look at all the stats and figures. Um, and of course, the creative industry is massive. When you start looking at what it also includes, you know, things like visual effects, advertising, etc., it also creates. It's also inclusive of that, as alongside all the art forms that we're often, you know, used to. Um, but you see also that in education, um, arts being diminished. So, like in schools, it's you know falling off the curriculum. It's seen as um, not as important as. The sciences, and there are certain institutions who are dropping arts, you know, um, in their future plans. No, not here at British Council, because arts is a central pillar. And as long as I'm here, um, I'll be championing that, you can bet your bottom dollar. Um, but there are many other people here, you know, new CEO, chair, they, they all know the power of what arts is. Um, but there is this contradiction, and there, there is this kind of constant having to justify it. It feels Tiring to have to keep fighting that. Whereas, given the resource, given the opportunity, you could do great things. So, how do we how do we how do we overcome this? Is your question. Well, it's it's about um you know a, a successful venture. I always believe has four key elements. One is um, the programs, and I guess the services that it. Offers that are relevant um, for and of our time and in fully engaging of key communities, then it's the communication of those programs to the right people. Those that benefit from them, those that create them and want to create them with you, and those that want to invest. And then then takes me to the third area, and that is the relationships that we then hold with. Key stakeholders, you know, artists for sure, institutions that show the art, governments that create policy, educational institutions that um, host the learning and knowledge exchange, the research, all of that, those relationships need to be built. Um, And then finally, um, the most important thing that keeps it going is the investment into it. The investment is energy, but also cash. So, I'm a big fan of money, you know, and, you know, it sounds like a strange thing to say, but with money, you can do good things. It's how you spend it it's important. Um, and I'm not being greedy here, uh, where we're looking at material greed. You need material comforts for sure. You know, that's, that's a, a nice thing to have. To live paradise on earth is a, never a bad thing, but it's, it's the shared prosperity that it creates. That's important. So if we're talking about prosperity, peace, trust building and bringing relations together, you know, artistic space offers this. So the experience of art is what's perhaps missing. You know, there are certain communities in South Asian culture who ensure that their children experience art from the day they're born. And why is this, I wonder? Well, it's about the kind of enlightened state of the um, imagination that it creates. The experience of creativity leads to um, a a flow in how you deal with the world we're in. Because, like you say, the multitude of languages beyond the conventional language that we learn, that is the spoken word uh, or the computer code these days with algorithms, I think that's what it's giving a child. So it's it's this it's it's the habit of experiencing something that goes beyond the kind of popular um, and sort of pop, popularization of the world we're in. There's a, there's a wonderful organization underground in Birmingham called the Cultural Intelligence Agency, borrowing from the CIA. Um, <laughs> they said to me the other day, um, you know, the struggle. Of the I mean the, it, was, it was it was very proletarian. It was kind of looking at the struggle of working class communities creates this divide through this theory of junkification. Mm. And I says, tell me more that we're fed starch and sugar to keep us keep us um, um, distracted. And yet the real fuel is some of the delicious organic foods. That we should be consuming as a metaphor. So, this this is what I feel is wrong in in the systems we're we're in. I think there's a lot of communities that are probably junkified or junkied out on popularism and the distractions, whether it's the blinding light of a phone, um, because we are attracted to it. It's the first thing I bloody check every morning, but it's the particularity of the particle um, that's really interesting here. So, what is the particularity of the particle that we need to then? unravel in order for us to recognize the power of art because that's what art for me is really really strong at engaging with is that kind of the kind of the minutiae to the expansive macro um, impact it can have but it's not going to happen by us talking about it it's going to happen by being um you know regularized um into our day-to-day um or you create these kind of magical moments of intersection um, with those that still are in a um, huge doubt about why art is important. You know, why, you know, art, science, cultural change, health, environment um, are the major pillars of, of, of our society. And then actually, you know, art is not an afterthought. It's not a space to escape. It's not entertainment can be entertaining, yes, but it's a space to engage ideas and form new language. And actually it's a very powerful medium. So why why would you deny it? Why would you not invest in it? Um but there are there are people who feel that it's on the third page of a culture's portfolio um, minister's portfolio. You know, so you know it's it's not in the top three, but where it is in the top three. So I think it's Germany that position art culture very high. Um, You see a more progressive society um, and therefore more progressive opportunities. Mm -hmm. In the UK, we are fortunate, however, because we do have the Arts Council here um, that invests a lot of money and has a good strategy over the next 10 years. And then we do have, you know, your British Councils that position arts as a way of creating cultural exchange and relations building. And you do have very powerful artists and communities that, you know, have an urgency about what they do and an importance about what they're trying to make change with. But I, I do believe, seeing is believing, and having the right kind of programmes, communicating with the right people in engagement and creation to influencing those that need to make the change. And, you know, quoting again from Cultural Intelligence Agency, they talk about this idea of... Um, You know, it is the top tier that will make the decision, but it's the grand revolution that will bring the change. And in the middle, you have people who gatekeep and protect um, a system. So in a sense, do you circumvent and bring the top and the radical root together? Um, Well, that's certainly a strategy I deployed at New Mm Orleans Exchange, where I dismissed the block, the blocks, So I always felt that in in my sector, there were too many blocks and, you know, we weren't fully accepted as, unless we were kind of ghettoized or seen as, oh, they're the black people or they're the brown people, they're over there nice and green. Um, We'll just, we'll tick the box with them. Um, We we didn't want that. We wanted to define and not be defined. And so we circumvented the rules by finding our own pathways that went beyond the kind of middle structures that kept preventing you know, the ascent of the idea. And I think the middle section is, is what we need to uh, reconstruct, actually, because that's, that's the big block. It's the gatekeepers that prevent the big decision-makers and the big investors who probably don't know, actually, what, what is really happening because they're that's protecting true. from that. And I think there's an element of that that goes on in, in all society,
1: I think you you touch upon a, a, to me a fundamental um, element because I think everybody that thinks in terms of um, um, you know uh, transforming the idea of transforming an institution and the question is whether an institution can be transformed or not. Uh, the answer is you know at a, for example I don't think that is in representation. You know, in a sense, it's part of the answer. In the sense that, that can you have to have people that can enable process to happen. But there is a systemic issue. Sometimes it is hard even to, to share, and at least it was my experience, that you have the idea, you have the top that is into the idea, and then everything gets lost. The, all the revolutionary power of that idea gets lost in the bureaucracy of the of the institution. And sometimes it's really everybody thinks that they're doing the right job. Everything, everybody, there's not necessarily like an evil person who's trying to do okay. it. It's the process that is created. And 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 probably, and that's the part that that I'm wondering about that sometimes I get a little bit um discouraged mm-hmm. at certain at certain moments at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know what is your um, where do you find the enthusiasm for it and you know and this because because there is something that is like okay the certain system certain policies certain mechanism has been put there you know a hundred years prior to last the next 500 years so the amount of of infrastructure need to dismantle it's so big and it's so um how can I say invisible? It's so like, you know, hidden, you know, in in, in so in, in in the cracks of the institution. That is like, where do you find, you know, the enthusiasm and the idea that this time is gonna work?
0: This is why courage is so important, but also that kind of collaborative consciousness, because you can't do it alone. So it's working at who are your friends, who are your family, who are your allies. And they're, they're all at a different stage of a relation and connection with yourself. Um, the enthusiasm um, and staying enthused and not getting broken by it is, is, is all burnt out, is the term that's often used. There's a lot of people burn out in these kind of scenarios. Uh, they give up and they just decide, well, you know, life would be much easier if I just walked the dog in the forests and in the hills and just saw the beautiful landscapes. And actually, you need to do that too. So you've got to mix your life up and not get so, so boiled down by trying to force change. There's a a wonderful saying in the the business, and that was, you know, the more you push, the more you push people away. You know, it's it's kind of cliche, corny, but I, I actually think it's true. You know, to bring change you've got to you've got to do it in a particular way in a particular pace and that that then creates enthusiasm but if, if you're constantly up against blocks it, it's going to break people for sure so this is this is this is what's interesting is, is to get that balance of circumventing the rule but not to the not to the state where you get alienated because there's a risk that you circumvent, you break the rule, you piss everybody off and they say, right, troublemaker, uh-uh, X mark against that person, they're not going forward. And I've seen it happen, you know, and you know, I've seen it happen in, in this organisation, in other organisations where people have been, you know, so courageous that they circumvented the rule a bit too much and too many times. So it's, it's about getting the kind of equation right, you know, being a kind of maths head. Um, Engineer, I suppose equations are important, you know, but the sense and feeling of the components is really critical. And once you get a sense of that, your enthusiasm is alive because you can understand the factorial of the equation and you've got a sense and feel what that might be. Small steps, big change over time is definitely um, important. I think the quick wins, they can come and go. But if they don't cluster together to create long-term impact, then you're you're you, you know you you're gonna end up tired. You
1: know, I have a I have a last question on this because there is this element of um you're you're here now to transform an institution, all right? And and that institution you know was created in in you know in, in hundreds of years, you know, in terms <laughs> of you know, and 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 so there is a lot that needs to happen. And there is a chance that, uh, you know, you might not be, simply you might not have the time, you know, to address all the things you need to address. And um, uh, one of our uh, guest uh, speaker, a former guest speaker, Vera was, was, she was, was, was Was one of the words that he used. It was uh, uh, cathedral. You know, he was fascinated by, you know, the Duomo here. You know, uh, the the main cathedral here in Milan, uh, because you say I'm I'm fascinated by the idea that somebody had that vision, and then it took like a couple of hundreds of years to to see to see the, the, the completion of it. So, in a certain way, how do you also envision that? Where is how do you place yourself within history in a sense that? You're, you're taking your parts but is that part a continuation of of somebody else's work of a community's work you know and if it, if there is an origin or like a, or it is a continuation of something how do you see this moving forward
0: mm, it's a very good question It's a very pertinent um sort of question around you know past present future you know that linear system of how we think. Um, and, you know, I'm a firm believer in, in folding folding time, playing with time in that sense. And there are certain things and certain rationale as to why institutions were set up that were very relevant then and maybe not so relevant today. So, in a sense, one has to look at what, what was relevant then. Has the mission vision remained static? Has it adjusted? And it's a bit like culture or it's a bit like art and its argument with culture. that culture and traditions, they reform. Um, there are certain traditions of cultures that cannot reform because they are so um, st- structured in a stricture. So that stricture creates the, the structure forever. It's, you know, it's like that infinite um, building that stands for forever, forever. Um, and, and, and won't change and, but yet around it the environment shifted so much and it's, and it's become a monument or it's become something that people study from the outside you know if that's what people want then fair enough but I don't think people want that you want to be alive in an institution that's changing before me that is you know has the Foresight um, and has the um you know the characteristics, the skills, the capacity, the representations to then be um you know ahead of the curve, in a sense, ahead of the wave, um, and create its own waves. Um so the past is important, of course it is, you know, why we set up and how we understand ourselves. Um, but I remember these are reference points. Um, And, you know, in the kind of postmodern era, there is a lot we can be doing to rethink some of those traditions and rules. And I've always been a firm believer of uh, respecting tradition, um, for sure, respecting purpose and initial intent. intent. But things are going to change and things are always changing. So this state of flux we're in, we have to then be a lot more responsive to it. But responding is one thing, but activating and creating um, new ways, new languages, new expressions and perspectives is, is probably the most important thing right now. Because we've seen the chaos of what, what we've been through over the last two years in particular. And whether it's political, whether it's health, whether it's the climate, we are in a space now that has been defined by past systems and structures, be that colonialism, be that racism, sexism, ableism, you know, all of the, all of the isms that are negative, um, they are in our DNA, sadly. And so we've got to restructure and create a new particularity of our particle that then creates a new molecular structure, uh, a new science within the art and an art within the science mm. um, in order to then determine what really matters in the world we are in today on a micro and on to a macro level, beyond the planet even. So, you know, it's, it's, it's having that kind of um, sensibility in, 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 in how we become and how we live our life and how we balance that life as well. So that, like you say, we've got to stay abused. We've got to have, you know, a, a purpose in a sense. And sometimes we've got an, an extraordinary vision or that genius moment of um, ingenuity that's going to transform, transcend. And that's why the space of art and artists and, and art form is is, the critical, is a critical solution for the future. But I do believe in the science of art and the art of science. And I do think the intersectionality of those ideas of past, present, and the future can be um, designed in a way that isn't so linear or defined by these kind of <coughs> decades, as I also referred to. But the decades were reference points because they were moments of reflection. So those moments of reflection have created now a sense of strength and purpose too. And that's what we've got to do, find that strength and purpose.
1: I think in all of this, the, the your three words of uh you know collaboration and collaborative uh consciousness and, and courage really I think resonated uh throughout. Um it made me think about also, you know, when you talk about courage, uh, you know, a sentence of of um uh, Maya Angelou who was saying that Courage is the preeminent of all uh, of all virtues because without courage, you cannot apply all your other virtues consistently. And I think that element of consistency—it's uh, you know—because she was saying that we can all be courage courageous at times, you know. We can all be once courageous, but is that element of consistency on which you build a life on? Uh, it's uh, it's really the one that can enable change to happen so I really take this you know uh with me and uh and thank you so much for everything that you share with you today with us today
0: Thomas, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you and ha- and ask me such such wonderful and important questions that were also urgent and making me think about the three words that was a really brilliant framework because I love trigonometries I think it's, <laughs> it's a really strong it's a
1: strong engineering structure nice. Fantastic. Thank you, Skinder. Thanks for listening to our new podcast, Creativity Pioneers. If you'd like to check out other episodes and know more about our mission, please visit moleskinfoundation.org. Keep on following this podcast and share your comments on Facebook and Instagram at Foundation. Until next time, stay creative.